0: Hey, welcome back to the Female Founder World podcast. It's Jasmine, I'm the host of the show. And today I have a guest who has a pretty incredible story. Her name's Sandra Velasquez and she was in debt more than $100,000 when she decided I'm gonna try something totally different to try and change my financial future. I'm gonna start a business. And she launched Nopalera. Maybe you've heard of it. They've been getting a lot of attention, a lot of buzz lately, for creating these beautiful Mexican botanicals for bath and body. Today, she's stocked at Nordstrom, Credo, Free People, Whole Foods, and more than 300 independent stores. And when I say Sandra has bootstrapped this business and learned along the way, you know, in her own words, she says, I was literally making the leather and the shoelaces on the fly as we were going. So there is so much that early stage founders or people who are interested in launching a beauty brand can take from this conversation. Before we get into it, I have a very quick note from the sponsor of the show, Gorgeous.
1: I am Alexandria Collis, director of customer experience for Princess Polly. I'm focused on our strategy and innovation in the CX department here at Princess Polly. The Princess Polly online store was born in a true startup style in 2010 in Australia. And we launched our US based operation in Los Angeles in 2019. And now we are one of the fastest growing online women's fashion brands in the US and Australia. Our first value is customer centricity. So every single department is paying attention to the customer experience. We aim to deliver every single time, and being customer-focused is really daring to be different. We first and foremost listen to our customers and always remember that customer perception is reality. Our demographic is Gen Z, and this is the I expect a response now. I call them the now customer. Our CX teams engage across every single channel. It is very important that we meet our customers where they are, and Gorgeous allows us the opportunity to be efficient with all of these channels Located in one place. We show up to work each and every day with one goal in mind, and that is to provide the best customer experience for our customers all over the globe. I have a quote, and I always tell our CX leaders that customer experience is the heart of an organization, and we pump the blood and deliver the oxygen to the vital organs in the business to help them thrive and grow stronger. So, AI and tech have played a large piece in a lot of the decisions that we've made at Princess Polly over the last year and going forward that we will make when it comes to utilizing systems to their fullest optimization. I will share that late last year, for example, we migrated ticketing platforms from the very popular Zendesk to gorgeous because it is the experience that we're focused on the agent experience and the customer experience. If you're interested in learning more about gorgeous, you can go to gorgeous.com and start a free trial today. You are now entering Female
0: Founder World with your host, Jasmine Garnsworthy. Hey, Sandra, how are you going? I'm good. How are you, Jasmine? I'm good. We've got so much good stuff to get into today. And we were just having a little chit chat before hitting record here. And I think the best kind of place to start is, you know, your background is you're a musician, you did some freelance, you did some consulting work for brands before you started this. But take me to the moment where you thought, there's some space here where I want to create a business. What was that opportunity that you saw?
2: Yes. The opportunity was combined with a feeling of, I don't want to say desperation, but I really felt like my back was up against the wall because I was 43 years old. I have a child. I live in New York. It's very expensive. And I was in between jobs. And I should also mention I had like $30,000 of credit card debt, $80,000 of student loans. And I was like, you know, me getting another job is not going to change my financial future and my life for me or my daughter. So the the only way to really significantly change this is to actually create something much bigger than I've ever worked for before. And so it was really this moment of like, okay, it's time to step into self-responsibility. And I know that I can create this brand that fills this space. And I'm going to make it so you know, I am authentic. I am Latina. I grew up near the border. I grew up eating nopales and I was like, I can really embody this hundred percent. And I can know, I know I can make it beautiful and I know what to do. So it was a combination of, you know, a lightning bolt moment of inspiration, but also like, okay, it's time to do something big.
0: Yeah. That is a really ballsy move to be in that position and be like, you know what, I'm just going for it. Something big has to change here.
2: Yes, that's exactly what it was. And and it's scary, but it's also really scary to be unemployed. <laughs> and it's also yeah, it's really scary, scary to be, you know, reliant on other people for for your rent, you know? So yeah. I really felt like, okay, I I and I really didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't have any money at the time. Like I said, I was literally living in the red, but it was just one thing at a time and I think the thing is I knew I knew what to do. And so, you know, I did a lot of things right in the beginning, like really decide going with a big, bold vision from the beginning. And then, Mm. you know, beginning with the end in mind and working backwards. And it took me over a year, right, to build this brand in the quiet when no one was caring, right, I had to become a consultant to bring in more income, I obviously got another job in the interim, I lived in a really crappy apartment where the rent was cheap, you know, but I knew that I was building something that was going to be big
0: for people who aren't familiar with the brand what do you guys do what do you make yeah so nopalera
2: is mexican botanicals for bath and body we make cactus soaps exfoliants and solid body moisturizers and we use different parts of the nopal which in english people call the prickly pear cactus but latinos all call it the nopal
0: so it's really interesting you're talking about the bath and body category i feel like all of okay like Skincare for the face is done. I feel like there's so much in there. There's (laughs) so much there now. And it's really interesting seeing these brands innovating and doing really cool things in bath and body and also the, you know, the real skinification of body care and bath care. Did you see that as a trend or why did you decide not to do, you know, face? Why did you decide to do body
2: Yes, that is such a great question. And I honestly have to give credit to my friend, Julie Kosinski, because she was one of the first people I called when I had this idea, because she's worked for, I don't know, like 300 brands in marketing and just, you know, CMO and just brand strategy. And when I had this idea, I literally was standing in front of my parents yard. um, And I called her and I said, you know, I want to start this brand made with cactus. Do you know anyone else that's doing that? She was like, Not really, you know, and so then I enrolled in Formula Botanica and I started to get into formulation because I wanted to learn how to make the products and, you know, Formula Botanica, they teach you how to make skincare. So I was learning how to make all sorts of emulsions and cleansers really for the face, right? And... I didn't know what the products were gonna be when I had the idea for the brand. And I think that's also really important to to note because I really, again, started with a mission, not with a product. Mm. And so I was learning how to make all sorts of things. And my friend, Julie, you know, as I was like going along my formulation journey, she asked me, is this for the face or is this for the body? And I was like, oh, I don't know, I think both. She was like, no, you have to choose. The yeah. face is one area and the body is another. And honestly, body the body area is like really more untapped there's more opportunity there like skincare is hard it's crowded and I was like and I just sat on it for like a day and the next morning I was like great we're making a body care brand so I really have to credit her for steering me in that direction because you know as a formulator it's really fun to make stuff it's really easy to get caught up in the ingredients and everything but You have to, again, look at the bigger picture, like you're entering a crowded market. Where is the biggest opportunity? I'm really glad that I ended up going into body care.
0: Sorry to interrupt, Sandra, in this awesome conversation, but I need to invite you to something super fun that's happening in New York City this week. It's a female founder world community hang. Join me and other female founders in Williamsburg, New York for a very chill get-together. We've got some drinks, snacks, a DIY nail art station, a fireside chat, and all of the people, all of your people you've been wanting to meet and build your business alongside. It's happening on Thursday, the 30th of June. Registration is essential, so I really hate for you to miss out. Please just click the link in the show notes and you can secure your spot and get all the details. See you there. You spoke about Formula Botanica there. And I also, when I started my skincare business a few years ago, did their diploma in organic skincare formulation because I had been a beauty editor, so I knew some things, but I didn't really understand enough about formulation, even to have an intelligent conversation with a formulator. You know, I didn't do all of my own formulas. I worked with someone on that, but I didn't even know what questions to ask. So I found it really helpful for that. Is it something that you recommend or do you think you could have Googled it? Is it something that people should do if they want to start a beauty business?
2: I think that Formula Botanica is the best place to learn formulation and and about ingredients, specifically because it's a clean or it's like an organic skincare formulation school. And you're really learning from somebody who's based in Europe where the standards are much stricter. I was going to say the fact that
0: they're there is a big thing.
2: Exactly. So that was and because again, beginning with the end in mind, I knew that I was creating a brand that I wanted to be able to sell at Credo Beauty. So Mm -hmm. and they have the strictest ingredient standards here in the United States. So I needed to learn like, what are the ingredients that I cannot use? And Formula Botanica was amazing, you know, training ground. But you know, I was on Lorraine's podcast as well. I don't know, a couple months ago. And you know, I think the thing for anyone that, that's studying formulation is like formulation is great. It's important. You know, I think that everyone who has a beauty brand or an ingredient focused brand needs to know what's in their product. But at the same time, that doesn't teach you how to build a brand, you know, so you still have to understand the market, the, com- you know, competitor analysis, understanding what a brand really is and that it's not a logo. And that's that's not something that you gain, I don't think, from, you know, formulation school. And that's that's not the point. The point is to teach you how to formulate, right, which is really yeah. important. But I think it's just an important distinction because a lot of people get caught up in the formulation and the ingredients. And then I'm like, okay, but you still have to answer the question, like, who cares?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. I feel like um, it's definitely, but, it, it, you know, it really fills that gap in knowledge of stuff that most people haven't learned in their career unless they're coming to it as a cosmetic chemist which yes of all the beauty founders i've met i've met one It was a cosmetic chemist everyone else is kind of coming to it from like branding or business background right. um, so i feel like it's, it's definitely useful for that you speak a lot about starting with the end in mind and obviously positioning is really important to you. And it sounds like that's been something that has really helped the business. So you know where you want to go. You want to be a premium product. You said before we started recording, I wanted to be sitting on the shelves of Barney's. You wanted to be clean enough for Credo. Once you have that vision, you've identified that, how do you reverse engineer what the steps are to get there?
2: So I think that doing a competitor analysis in your final destination is really important and i do that now to this day right as i'm going to create new products i need to know like who are the other people making let's say body butters at credo beauty body butters at nordstrom at wherever it is that you're trying to sell if you're trying to sell into target you'd be doing a competitor analysis at target because these are the people that you're going to be surrounded by on the shelf and what is going to make you stand out are you going to be in are you going to have you know, certifications? Are you going to be in eco packaging? Is there some star ingredient? Why your body butter over the others that people already know and love? So doing a competitor analysis. And by that, I mean, making a spreadsheet and literally going to the stores and looking at the products, what sizes they are, what are their price points, what are their ingredient profiles and studying and then really looking for the space, you know, what is it that you're going to bring to this category? Never, ever create a product like in a vacuum because we don't live that way in the world. So that's that's step one, right after, you know, exactly where you're trying to go. And really, that's the most important thing. And then building understanding why people need it, you know, and I think building a community in advance is one of the best things that I did, you know, advertising early once I had my my logo we call her the cactus goddess i started running interest target ads with that to specific demographics and specific cities which you can't really do anymore honestly right so this is not advice for now because the laws have changed with facebook Mm. privacy but you know back in 2019 uh, or 2020 we were able to do that and so i built an email list of like 800 people so that when i launched there was someone to launch to you know, and I think that's also very important. I mean, it's been said so many times, like, you know, if you build it, they will not come. And it's true. You cannot just create a brand, put up a website and expect people to find you. You have to go and find them. You have to go and put it in front of their face so that they know that you exist.
0: What kind of like messaging or offer did you have that you were able to convert those folks watching, looking at your ads on Facebook or Instagram into email addresses to launch to? The messaging was very, I'm a big fan of clarity and brevity, like,
2: tell it to me in one sentence, I need to get it in one sentence. So the copy was not long. It really the branding was really working hard, right? It's because I showed this specific logo, which really just like automatically speaks to a certain demographic you know, I mean, most of our, most of our customers are Latina and most of them are like me. They're most, mostly Mexican American or Mexican. And when you look at this logo, it you just see yourself in it. Right. So, and that was intentional. We created that intentionally. And so that's where branding is the first marketing touch point. Like no words needed, mm-hmm. right? No words needed. I need to know exactly that this is for me just by looking at it. And then the copy was just very plainly saying what it was Mexican botanicals for bath and body sign up to be notified when we launch and that again using those words and i i put my culture you know heritage in my byline because again i wanted to be so clear who we are and who we're talking to because if you just say like clean vegan
0: cruelty free like that's everybody now yeah it is literally everybody now that's that's table stakes yeah let's uh, keep talking about the launch because i think it's really interesting you can share as much as you want or whatever you're comfortable with. I'm super transparent. Like you
2: can ask me anything.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What does it cost to launch a brand like this? And you're paying for ads before you have a product. You're developing really beautiful premium looking branding. Like what, what were you putting into that launch budget and where were you spending it? so i want to be super clear that i had no budget
2: and you know even still to this day when people are like what's your budget i'm like no i don't have a budget tell me what it costs and i will go find the money i will go get another job i will sell some clothes i will sell some records i have never had a budget in my entire life and i love to be transparent about that because i don't want people to not begin because they don't have ten thousand dollars and i'm like Mm if you wait for them for you to have the money, you're never going to start, you know? So I have never been able to afford anything I've done, including being a musician and touring. You know, if you follow the financial gurus who are like, you should just have no debt and you should just, you know, don't ever eat out, then I would have a very different life. I wouldn't have this brand. So I started with a bare minimum of like $10 a day in like Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And I also... Just like i invested in myself to go to formula botanica i put that on my american express card i also invested in myself and i took a facebook ads class where i really understood how to set up facebook business manager because again i had no money to hire like a freelancer or a firm or anybody yeah. so i was like i'm gonna have to learn how to set this up myself so i did and i just started you know i i have very limited knowledge i probably know more than people that know nothing but i'm not an expert and That I just spend $10 a day. Sometimes I would experiment. Like if something was working, I would maybe bump it to $15 a day. And I did that on my credit card for like three months. And because I knew that building the community and amassing the emails are worth gold. Because the way that the Facebook, that the advertising algorithm works is like once you have 100 people come take an action on your website, you can create lookalike audiences. You can say, okay, Jasmine and 100 of her friends came to my website. Go find me 100 other Jasmines and her friends. So that's how it works. But you need people to first come and click, right, Mm -hmm. to activate the Facebook pixel. So that is... So it's snowballs, right? So it's like you have to, but you have to create the snowball to get it rolling. And then in terms of how much it costs to launch your brand, this is really going to depend on your product type and how many SKUs you have. And so that's why I don't like to, I mean, I'll, I'll go into the math, but I don't like to give people a number like it costs $20,000 to launch yeah. your brand. No, it doesn't. It depends. Are you making a face oil? Are you making soaps? Are you making, what are you making? You know, in my case, the reason that I started with soaps and the products that I started with was because I could make them myself and a venture capitalist I was in a meeting the other day because I'm currently fundraising and someone they asked me like why like why soaps and I told her I was like because I had no money and I had to create the products it had to be something that I could make myself Mm. so you know soaps are one of those things and I was like I'm gonna make something that you know that's that everyone knows what it is but i'm going to make it ours and i'm going to make it beautiful right so Mm -hmm. we do not have a square bar of soap right i created a custom mold that's an investment but i knew that everything had to stand out because there's a million soaps in the world who cares right you know my branding was the first thing that i invested in again i had no money i asked my my designer for a payment plan and she allowed me and she said yes thankfully and she allowed me to pay it over the course of five months so, okay. you know, again, I'm paying this like on my American Express card, I'm working as a consultant, I'm paying yeah. off my my credit card bill, like, you know, as much as I can every month. But it took me, I did not have the money up front. And that's, I want to really communicate that to everyone out there, like, you don't have to have, I've never had like an extra $20,000 lying around. I really yeah. hope that's not the case for the rest of my life. <laughs> I would like to have 20K lying around, but I did not, you know?
0: Yeah. I really respect that hustle and that drive and resourcefulness. When you did have your first SKUs that you were launching, which is the soap, and it's in a cactus shape, right? That's the... Yes. So we launched with the soaps, an exfoliant,
2: and a a solid moisturizing bar. So we launched with five SKUs, actually. Three of them were... Wow.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't realize you launched with that many. Okay. So what were you doing then? You had your email list that you'd built. What else were you doing around launch to get traction? And were you doing press? Like, you know, I love to hear like a bootstrapped scrappy, like how do you get that traction in the beginning when you're doing this yourself?
2: Yes. I really think that the key to my early success was that I started building the community in advance and posting pictures. Like even before I had products, like product photography, I had renders from my designer, right? So she would I mock did that up. too. <laughs> yeah. So she had like a render, like, here's what it's going to look like. Yeah. And so I started posting those. Like you can scroll to my Instagram to the very, very first like week of my posts, like, you know, in... I don't know, I guess it would be like September or October of 2020. I launched in November of 2020. yeah, And I started posting renders. And because I was already advertising at that point, right? So people are seeing, you know, the logo, they're seeing it, it's, it's getting pushed to people. And so that when I launched, it was like, I I had like two wholesale inquiries like on day one. And I was like, how are these people even finding me? Mm. But it's because of the ads. And it's because that I had already established a high quality presence online. I had a website. It had a landing page so that when it actually went live, when I hit like publish, you know, on like October 31st or something, you know, the orders already started to come in because I had already built the awareness and then it just snowballs. So I didn't get a publicist until... I would say like five months in because I started to notice the snowball effect. And I was like, I want to blow, you know, fuel on this fire because if this is already happening organically, like imagine what will happen if we put like actually people working behind this to go and get more press.
0: You mentioned wholesale inquiries before and you've got a few stockists now. Can you just run people through where you're stocked? Yes,
2: we are at Nordstrom. We are at Credo Beauty, Free People, which is Free People Movement, 12 New York City Whole Foods stores and and i think that's it awesome and then but but here's the thing i want to tell everyone that's super important because when you say i'm in nordstrom everyone is like oh my god it's so amazing i'm like no it's not (laughs) here's what's amazing our 300 independent boutiques that you've never heard of that is our bread and butter because they prepay there are no chargebacks they they pay with their credit card it gets shipped out like a d2c order it's super easy and i love them all and i think that you know, I, I just always want to tell people don't get caught up in like vanity metrics, you know, like there's some accounts that are great for credibility, but Nordstrom is a beast to deal with. And honestly, we I have boutiques like little boutiques in San Diego that outperform Nordstrom, mm. you know, so I, I just like to be transparent about that because, you know, I, I I always want people to look at their bank accounts and make sure they know where the money is coming from. Yeah. And that you don't just aspire to be in a place just for for vanity metrics. Like you need to make money as a business. So it's really the 300 boutiques that I honestly couldn't even tell you all of them because there's always new incoming ones, you know, and we vet them. And some of them we say no to because they're already too close to other existing partners.
0: Are you on any of the wholesaling platforms like Bulletin or anything like that? No. And I'm not on Fair. I'm not on Handshake or Bulletin. And
2: it's because we honestly you know, we have a wholesale application form in the footer of our website, which I recommend everyone does, like make it easy for people to apply to be a stockist. And we, we don't need anymore. (laughs) We've never had to like go and, and outreach because they've literally over like, you know, 300 and something have come to us. And I don't, we don't want anyone to just be able to order our product. We do need to yeah. vet them. And so I, you know, one of my first hires was my wholesale manager who contacted me like in day five of launch, you know, and she, she was a former sales manager at Byrito and she was starting her own, you know, kind of like boutique sales agency and she's Latina and she wanted to have more Latina brands. So I, she's been with me since literally day five and she vets all of our wholesale clients. So again, we don't just say yes to everybody. And I think that's important because you do have to protect your brand integrity.
0: In addition to that contractor, what does the team look like at the moment? Are you working with a bunch of different contractors who have this subject matter expertise? Do you have people in the team? What does it look like? Yeah. So I have our wholesale
2: manager who manages all the wholesale Mm -hmm. and she's a contractor, right? So that's, that's different. So I have, you know, two W2 employees, well, three, including myself, but two other people. So my first real hired like W2 employee was our our community and marketing manager. And she started as a freelancer and then it moved to like monthly retainer. And then I was like, you know what, can you just come on board? (laughs) So she manages anything that is like advertising our community, all of our socials, email marketing, everything. But then we have an intern who is I guess not a full-time employee, right? So she's a part-time contractor. And then my partner is like my kind of de facto inventory manager and supply chain manager, kind of like placeholder. Cause it's not what he loves to do, but I was like, you have no choice. You have, to work. Yeah. <laughs> you have to work for this company. And then I have, you know, a bookkeeper. I have a 3PL. I have, you know, a, like a head of finance who is a family friend who she is, she works for other startups as well. And so she helps me with like my financial model, but and then I have a customer service agent.
0: I'm just want to dig into that financial model thing that you just said, because I think a lot of people start, they have an idea for a business. Maybe they've come from a branding background and they don't really understand how to put that together and what that looks like. What kind of margins are you supposed to have in beauty? What does a good, healthy financial model look like?
2: So I had never built a financial model before. And I recommend that you go and find someone who knows. So just go and find those people and pay them to help you because you need a financial model, which just to be clear for anyone that's like, what are you talking about? This is nothing more than like a Google doc or Excel document that just has... All of your expenses in all of your different departments so that you know exactly how much it costs to run your business right and i mean i started with a very basic cash flow model that i that i use like when i teach other like entrepreneurs you know that i use that for the first year and it's you need to just be able to have a grid where it's like this is how much this costs, this 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 and then here's how much i expect to sell and then you see like okay what's left over right yeah everyone should go and get a financial model from somewhere Find a score mentor. Go on LinkedIn. At like, just go out and start asking people. <laughs> and then, sorry, what was your second question? It's oh, like the margins. At,
0: yes, yes margins. Yeah.
2: Yes. Okay, so margins. This is like my favorite topic ever. I come from CPG, right? So I used to work for food and beverage brands, and the margins in CPG are a lot different. They're a lot lower. First of all, you know, you're selling like a drink for $2.99, you know, or, you know, whatever. In beauty, they really recommend that you have like no less than an 80 margin. And that's because you need to pay for a lot of marketing, right? Especially if you're dealing with large retailers like Sephora or Ulta, you know, they are taking a 60 margin, right? So if you're selling, let's just break it down to simple math. Let's say you're selling a $10 lotion. Right. And you're selling this at Sephora. Sephora needs of of those ten dollars, they need six of those dollars. Yeah. So that means you are selling to them for four dollars. And that means that it needs to cost you like less than a dollar to make. (laughs) Right. So again, this is where like working backwards applies to pricing. Because if you're like, I'm gonna create a brand and I wanna sell it at Target or I wanna sell it at Sephora. Okay, what is that price point gonna cost? And work backwards so that you understand what you need to sell it to them for and then work backwards to see what it need what it needs to cost you to make. And that's where a lot of like aspiring brand founders and formulators and passionate, you know, product makers get stuck because they create front to back, right? They're like, Oh, I love yes, to make this. It. Let me get all these expensive ingredients, let me make it. Okay, now it's like a five dollar soap. Now I wanna sell it for seven dollars. Well, no, you can't you can't wholesale that then,
0: right? Yeah. Beautifully put. You're obviously in a really different place in the business now than when you first started with that kind of, I know you you still have a very scrappy attitude towards it, which I, I think is awesome and all founders should probably have. How are you thinking about scaling now that you're in this different spot?
2: Yes. So I feel like all of this year is really about creating the foundation for next year. And by that I'm talking about operations, so putting the systems in place because as you scale, even just, you know, we've scaled since we launched, right? And it it was really painful because we did not have systems in place. And so you know, I really want to hire an operations and supply chain manager. That's like my dream next hire because I am definitely stuck in the operational and supply chain weeds, me and my partner. And i don't it's not what i should be doing like i need to be thinking about the future of the brand and growing and innovation and product development instead of like You know where where's the truck that has the jars (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right so in terms of the next stage of growth we're in the middle of a fundraise i've never raised money before so it's it's a little overwhelming and daunting and just putting together all the information that they are going to ask for in advance is actually a really good exercise because it's all information that you need to know about your business anyway so it's forcing me to really document everything Mm -hmm. Um, i mean i have everything documented but put it all kind of neatly in one place and you know raising this money so that then we can lower our cogs like to our previous point this year is all about partnering with new manufacturing partners that can help us lower our cogs on our existing SKUs, while working on new SKUs to launch next year and it's going to require capital i can't bootstrap it to that point i literally started with zero dollars right when people say bootstrap they sometimes mean that they started with a hundred thousand dollars of savings you know or fifty thousand dollars of savings or their brother-in-law gave them three hundred thousand dollars that was not me when i say bootstrap i mean like i also created you know the lace and the leather of the boot
0: yeah yeah you've mentioned systems there before and i think that this is something that people just use the word a lot but maybe don't really understand what it means what are the systems that you're putting in place to yeah. run your business. What does that look like?
2: I know. I used to feel the same way when people talk about the systems and I'm like, what systems? What are we talking about? So when we talk about systems, we're talking about processes. So for example, I sell to Nordstrom, Credo, Free People. All, let's just take that as an example. All of those stores have different requirements on how they need their order shipped to them. And that information cannot live in your head. you know, and nor do you want to nor do you want to go and refer to their 75 page routing guide every time an order comes through. So what you need to do is literally create a direction sheet, right? So an SOP, a standard operating procedure. This is nothing more than like when you go on WikiHow, and you're like, how do I install this door? And it has pictures with links and videos walking you through so that literally anybody can walk in and follow these directions and get the job done. So those are the kinds of systems you need standard operating procedures, and you have to create these and it's literally my least favorite thing to do in the world and uh but i've had to do them because otherwise it's like you're going you're already working you're in the middle of your day and then like an order comes in and you're like wait how do we how do we ship this again what do we do what's the label you know so you just have a, a literally a document that says like sop nordstrom and anyone can follow these directions right and you create tutorials training videos you know people use loom i use screencastify um so that's one system. And then, you know, another system is like, you know, like a smaller one would be like your social, po- your social posting calendar. So you should not be taking a picture and thinking about what you're going to post tomorrow today, right? This has been planned in advance, ideally like last month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is this system? Are you going to have quarterly planning meetings with yourself or with your assistant or with whoever is helping you? Um, and planning is like the key to me because especially when you're a small team, you you it's all about planning. Otherwise, you'll always just be feeling like you're trying to catch up and you feel like you're drowning. So we use later.com, right? So that is a system that we sit down, me and you know my marketing manager, and we sit down and we plan like what's happening in June. Okay, it's Father's Day. It's this. It's that. We're releasing this. Here are the blog posts that are going to go with that. Here are the pictures that we need for that. We plan it out in advance. It gets scheduled and then we don't look at it. Mm -hmm. So that's a system as well, right? And then, so I could go on and on, but those are just examples. So when we're talking about systems, we're talking about like a
0: process. You've given us so much good stuff already and really tactical advice, which I appreciate so much. But I wanted to just finish this off and see if you've got another resource that you want to to recommend to people. Yes, I have so many resources to share, but I think the most important, not
2: necessarily that people should go use this one, but you should find something like this, which is that if you're starting, if you're an entrepreneur and you don't have any entrepreneur friends, you need to go get a new squad. So, you know, I used to be a musician. I know a lot of amazing, talented musicians who have no money. None of these beautiful souls are going to help me build my million dollar empire. So I needed to go and find new people who were already way ahead of me and already at this at the same level of me and so i joined a mastermind so i joined like the hello7 mastermind which is like 2500 women of color who are all you know entrepreneurs a lot most of them are service providers i'm like kind of in the minority of like a product-based business but it's really to me it's about the community and and i have found my ceo success squad in that group and now we meet like weekly by zoom quarterly in person and we have an ongoing text thread where we are just constantly helping each other you know evolve and stay on track and be accountable and i think that that is one of the most important things that you can have as an entrepreneur because it's very lonely and hard
0: yeah, awesome tip. And we also have a free community as well on Geneva.com, which is linked through the website. And that's all just women building consumer brands. So if anyone wants to join that, it's free. Go find your people. Yeah, it 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 can be a lonely road if you don't have people around you. Yes. Yes. Sandra, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was awesome to meet you, and congratulations on all the success and good luck for your fundraise. I hope that. Paul thank goes you well. so much. Thank you.